Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> If you've ever asked yourself, is this it? I thought there'd be more to this relationship. Are we done? I'm scared we're done. Why am I not attracted to him or her anymore? Where did the connection go? Why is sex so boring and routine? Would it be better with someone else? Is it me? Where's the sex gone? Am I that unsatisfactory? He went from Mr. Nice Guy doormat extraordinaire to sex expert. Jason Bradbury, welcome. Awesome. Glad to be here. I love your show. Thank you. So how does one become a sex therapist? So I would actually call myself a spiritual intimacy expert. I'm not a licensed doctor or, you know, somebody who's spent four to a hundred years studying sex in college. My story starts way back. I've actually been prepping for this my entire life. Do you tell? It's just kind of strange, I guess, is the way to say it, right? I grew up in a small town in eastern Colorado. Cowboy town, very highly macho-ized. When I was a little kid I was very small I always just had this dream of I was going to be the the best man possible so I listened intently to women all the time growing up I got a little bit older and I was the best dressed kid in town I loved singing and dancing I uh, all my friends were girls I was doing all these things and I became very, very gentle and nice and everything to, to women. I got labeled as the gay kid in town. At that time, you know, I didn't even have a concept of what gay was. <laughs> I had no idea that a man could be attracted to a man. I, it just didn't even blossom on me, right? You know, all I knew from going to church and all this kind of stuff was that gay people were gross and bad and all that kind of stuff. Come puberty, a girl would walk by and you're standing at attention. You know, the smell of her hair. You're thinking you're gross. You're thinking you're, you know, ugh. And so I started suffering from really, 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 really bad sexual shame early in puberty. So much so that you add the gay thing and add the self-shame that I had. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't know how to escalate or talk with a girl at all. Ended up marrying my first girlfriend. But I had developed all these nice guy tendencies, all these beautiful and admirable. I wanted everybody to get along. I wanted everything to be smooth and gentle. And I wanted to be the best husband possible. That marriage did not go well. <laughs> How come? You know, so many different factors into any kind of relationship. I do want to just put out there right at the bat, I love her. I've forgiven her. I have let her go with no judgment, all that. My end of it, though, was, you know, she started cheating on me the night before our marriage and pretty much all the way through the marriage. Every time that she would cheat, it would be because I was bad in bed. I, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what being bad in bed meant. You know, I was creative. I was an artist. I was, I mean, I taught music. I had a very highly developed, sensitive, and spiritual side. I had all these awesome qualities that, you know, you just... I read about this when I was a teenager and stuff. You're going to be great in bed. None of it was true because I did not know how to bring me as a man. Interesting. It was tough. I tried so hard to not be like normal my whole life that I didn't know how to be one. What books were you reading? I was ignoring almost everything. And I was not reading any books. I was just going along in this fog of depression and self-blame and judgment. My entire marriage just wasn't reading the right stuff. Stuff that would tell me you could be all those things that you are, Jason. 
and be a strong, centered man. A man that women find attractive. And I didn't realize that when I attracted my wife, it was that I was a president of fraternity, I had all these drives and goals, and I was doing it. I was being that man. <laughs> I was confident in myself. There was no, there was nothing around me that, that held me down. You know, emotions, nothing. She fell in love with the strong man. I just didn't know that that's what I was doing. And in my marriage, I became the doormat. I became the making myself small, right? So that kind of set the stage. We got divorced in 2012. I was completely lost and completely just, I had no idea what I did wrong. What did I do wrong? I, I mean, I did the dishes every night. I cooked all the meals. I dressed the kids. I, you know, I did everything. I, well, I was a great husband. What happened? I was completely terrified of two things when I, when she left. One, that I was never going to be able to support myself financially. She was the breadwinner. She was, you know, she's a powerful, powerful woman. And the other was that I would never be attractive to anybody again. I had lost my one shot. There was obviously something gross, a.k.a. just like how I grew up, thinking I was whatever gay was, <laughs> that I was gross, that I was wrong. So in that, in that journey, I started picking up everything. I just, I had this, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after the girl thing first. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out women. I'm going to figure out what's wrong with me, and I'm going to fix it. Started having a man moment here again. I'm, I'm on a mission. I have a purpose in life. I went to the internet. The first thing I found was a whole bunch of pickup artist stuff. I started studying this. Zamparian became my hero. What's the his Alabaster. name? Zamparian, the author of The Alabaster Girl. Tell me about that. He was part of the seduction community, just very, very much a man that just loved women. And when I read his book, it all matched. I love women. I adore women. I think women are amazing. You know, how much they could handle and their, their, their emotions and how they deal with them and their friendships and the connection that they that they think about and all this kind of stuff. They were always a little bit weird to me, and I always felt like I was a part of it, you know, by always having girlfriends instead of boyfriends and all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I, I studied all that for a while, and some of that world, that pickup artistry world, that, that seduction community world, it's a little gross. Um, I want to know about that because I don't really know about that. So what you have is you have a lot of evolutionary psychology-based stuff, like women are always looking for a provider or protector. They're looking for the, the biggest cock in the room, if you will. If you can make a woman go through a lot of emotions, she'll be attracted to you. If you neg them, or in other words, like insult them just in the right way with a little half smile and stuff, they'll have to prove themselves to you. And so they start chasing you and, you know, th there's, there, there's a lot of stuff in, in that world that I, I didn't feel comfortable with in trying to be the biggest cock in the room, if you will. I borrowed Fred's Porsches. You know, I, pre I just put on this whole persona that was not me. <laughs> Remember, I'm dead broke after this divorce. There's no way I'm going to be able to sustain this, right? What did that I feel like? Two different ways. One, I kind of had a little bit of redemption because I started sleeping with a lot of women. <laughs> Two, it made me angry because that is all it took. What about that great guy that I was being? Why wasn't he attractive? I still had these questions around. And, I was and do you really think that can get you laid? The nice stuff? The nice guy yeah. stuff? Not now. I did then still. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit, not entitlement. I don't like the big, you know, our nice guy characterization of, uh, of, of a nice guy to where they're being nice because they feel entitled to a woman.
or entitled to a woman's body. I don't think that's really the truth on most nice guys. What they are doing is they're doing everything right, and so their life should be great. They have this covert contract, as Dr. Glover wrote, No More Mr. Nice Guy wrote. They have this covert contract with the world that if I do everything right and take care of everybody before they take care of me, before they know, they're going to take care of me too. Well, part of that is sex. I think we hyper-focus on the sex, and it's understandable. We're, we're pretty wound up about sex in our culture. But it's not all about that. It's like, I'm going to be treated well. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to, I'm going to have a loving wife who adores me. And, and yes, we have wonderful sex and all that kind of stuff. That trip through being the nice guy has been really interesting because what I had to do at the end of it, and we'll talk, I'll talk about that here a little bit, is I actually had to go back to loving that guy. It's been interesting. And, you know, we were talking about the pickup artery stuff and how it made me feel. I felt angry, not only at you know my ex-wife why didn't she love me what was wrong with me relieved that oh my gosh i know how to i know how to have sex i wasn't having very many second third dates though i mean i was a jerk i was a jerk i was a player uh-huh. and, and that's and that's kind of how they felt about it like they'd wake up or leave the house and kind of like oh my gosh what did i just do and i felt gross about that i felt i felt you know that's just not me as a human being i don't want to treat other human beings like that i don't want to play anybody i don't want to manipulate for my own ego this was a very short period of time in that i discovered real men's work men's work where you become a great man Usually focused on a journey from being a nice guy into being a great man, if we will. All those nice guy behaviors, even the doing the dishes and all that kind of stuff, as a great man, you do that because it's part of your values. You walk with a sense of confidence because you know who you are, and you've learned to deal with those emotions. So emotions would rise up when I was a nice guy, and I would stuff them down, stuff them down, stuff them down. That is so prevalent in our culture, and that's why we have people blowing up Columbine, especially young white males. They stuff, they stuff, they stuff, they stuff all these emotions until they blow. And that's how I would deal with my wife, would be passive-aggressive. I you did blow. say that she cheated, though, in the beginning. Why didn't you just get rid of her in the beginning? Because I was a good Catholic boy. It was my job to help her and to save her, and a.k.a. let's talk about codependency here early on, right? Yeah, I own it. How soon did you guys have kids? A, a year after and you said she pretty much cheated the whole pretty marriage? Much, yeah. How could you stay in that? And why did she stay in that? I don't know why she stayed in that, honestly. That must have been hard to be together. I was a sweet man. I was a great guy to be married to. I don't know if, if it was just the luxury. She had a part of her that didn't want to break me open. Were you guys still sleeping together? Yeah. Not really successfully, but yeah, we were. Why did I stay with her? You... Um, I, it's a really important question. It actually goes ties into work that I'm doing now, how I'm helping men and women in this same situation. My clients are me and my ex-wife. I mean, that's who come to me. Wives who cannot be attracted to their husbands through the power, power women, power suits, you know, very, very masculine focused in their jobs. Very, very successful. And the very intelligent, overthinking, doormat, I'm scared of emotions, husbands. That's the combination. That's so interesting that you're seeing it again and again. Yeah. Well, it it patterned my life. And maybe, you know, you live through it and part of the gift in life that eventually you you get on the other side and you learn how to help. The gift, the universe works in weird ways. I had to really live through it and really suffer through it so that I could really, really touch both the men and women that I work with in a unique way. 
How can you Why help them, though, if you're not in the bedroom with them? This is not a technique thing. <laughs> you sit there play by play and, you know, hey, oh, no, no, no. Two centimeters up, two centimeters up. No, no. We're not talking about technique. And the awesome part about that question is that we focus so much on technique and what to do in the bedroom that we rarely, rarely ever talk about how to be in the bedroom or why to be in the bedroom. Let's talk about that then. How to be in the bedroom, what culture has created in our society, which is amazing. We have women going out there and supporting themselves and reaching levels, you know, that we that, you know, breaking ceilings all over the place. Beautiful, powerful, get stuff done women, right? In that, they, they're actually using a lot of masculine energy. Listeners probably kind of understand that. It's, you know, masculine is this kind of going forward, you know, thrusting, pounding energy towards towards the world and moving from place to place. Feminine is kind of the, the everything that moves. It's this flowing energy that surrounds us all. It's beauty, it's nature, it's love, it's emotions, it's thoughts. Okay, so that's kind of the context that I talk about masculine and feminine in. Uh, masculine is that part of all of us, men and women, that observes our thoughts. Well, that thrusting, pounding energy that she's using in her work is actually very, very masculine. In our world right now, we devalue femininity so much that the only way to really be productive and make money and all that kind of stuff is to be that very goal-oriented, getting stuff done person. Femininity on the other side is, is concerned about the love and the connection and growth and all that kind of stuff in, in, in our relationships and all that kind of stuff. He has that. That's what he's worried about. He's, he's so concerned about, is the relationship good? What's going on with the relationship, you know? And, and are the kids okay? You know, she's always going to work and coming home and she's tired and she's bossing everybody around at home because she doesn't let go of that when she gets to the house. And there are amazing mothers that play, I mean, they are mother and father when they get home, and these husbands will sometimes hide. Does it carry over too. into the bedroom? And it carries over into the bedroom. And what happens if you have two people that are trying to be masculine in the bedroom, it doesn't work. There's no actual attraction towards them. They can physically go through the process of having sex, but there's no real passionate connection. There's no arousal. There's no attraction there if they're both of their masculine or if they're both in their feminine, in other words. What couples need to be able to do in this part of what we, we work with is to create those really big poles, like two poles of, you know, on the planet or two sides of a magnet, if you will, you know, where mostly him, and it doesn't have to be, but mostly him learns how to be masculine again, just like I had to. He learns how to be that strong center masculine presence and want to penetrate her, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. He wants to penetrate her to help love go deeper, where she relaxes into her feminine and loves to be seen, loves to be beautiful, loves to bring variety and intrigue and mystery and all these wonderful things that the feminine brings. She learns to relax into that. She learns to let go of the sword, if you will, put down the shield and be beautiful, right? Yeah, and it, how, can, go the other how way can you seduce a woman like that? That is very, very intermasculine? That needs to relax, that needs to let go of right. the sword. 
our society today, and a lot of work that you see in my field, in my area, talks about over-masculine in her. That's all well and good. Yes, that will polarize her, and she may just submit and relax. And it's kind of kind of a rough kind of way to think about it. It's not how I like to think. I like to think the feminine grows through praise. The feminine grows through being adored by being seen. And so... If I'm working with a couple, for example, and he's the classic nice guy and she's the classic ball-busting businesswoman, what I do is work with him a lot on recognizing what feminine energy is and learning how to praise it. Like if she, they're having a fight and she starts bawling, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that part of me. That was so beautiful. You know, and then they go on with the rest of their conversation, whether he's apologizing or, or what, whatever the conversation is, but he's holding that space for her to be beautiful, even when she loses it. Hopefully it doesn't always require that. <laughs> right? It, it, with with her, I really work on, with her, um, recognizing that he actually wants to be of service. He wants to be, he wants to be a man who gets praised for the things that he does. You know, he doesn't really care about who he is as a human being, but he really wants to be praised for the things that he does. You know, she starts praising him for things that he's got done, like he fixed the car. And... In a very feminine way, I call it pinky power. You know, she'll just come up and, you know, just like rub her, rub her finger across the back of his neck or something and say, oh my gosh, you're my hero. You're my man. All of a sudden, he's getting this sense of, oh my, I can be successful, which guys usually don't even try things unless they can be successful. Wonderful conservers of energy in our species. But what happens is that he starts looking for more opportunities to be that guy. Then at home, he starts being that man that's getting stuff done and planning vacations and even planning social things. And he's going to go on his life like, I'm going through life and I'm going to have a great adventure and I want you, I want you to come along with me because you're beautiful and you make my life better right he's going through life with that attitude she's going through life when she gets home like okay here i can lay down my sword and i can be pretty and beautiful and i can make the house beautiful and i can giggle and teach the kids and she softens if you will i don't really care for that that wording but that's kind of what it feels like she softens into her feminine and he really really steps it up that translates into the bedroom. They start having really passionate sex. What you're talking about is so much more in the mind. Right, right. And in the spirit. I think it's, it's a, this is a spiritual thing that we're talking about here. Let me talk it from a male perspective going to, you know, to making love to a woman. Because that's obviously the easiest for me. I'm a man. When I learned this way to be a man, I studied a lot of tantric and a lot of of, of Taoist sex principles, and and you know I'm a practitioner, and uh, I bring a lot of that into my teachings. A lot of that is holding, being able to hold a lot of energy, a lot more than men usually hold. Men get a little turned on, and they usually you know go to the bathroom, whack off to get rid of the energy. Oh, I learned to hold a lot of energy. And a lot of that is being able to learn to hold your emotions, be able to hold your doubts back, being able to hold you know, your fears, not hold them back, but let them just flow and be okay with them being there, being okay with that energy being there. What happens in that is you become very, very observant. You become very, very patient. You become very, very present in the moment. So a man going into the bedroom very patient. Yes, holding a lot of energy. He's his body is raring to go, and he's okay with not just pounding hard and getting over with. He begins to love to see her blossom, physically, mentally, emotionally. He's so much more present in the in the moment making love. She is going to let him know how to make love to her, whether consciously or unconsciously. Her hips will move in a certain way. 
her breath will change when you hit the right spot. She will have this yearning feeling because, you know, for one, most women have never been made love to by a man like that. You know, they, they went from high school, pound away, to being married, pound away, and that's what sex was. And not all men are that way, but this is this is very, very common. Yeah, like, would you say that most men study how to get better at it? I, I would say a lot more men than I did, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. However, a lot of it is lost. A lot of what they're learning is lost. You know, if they're they're picking up a, a book on, you know, the Kamas Ultra and the and all these different positions and all in and ways to go down on a woman and all this kind of stuff. They're getting the, the book smarts. Hooray, you know where a clitoris is. <laughs> you know, awesome. Yeah, G spot. We all okay, great. But how does it feel to arrest and to massage? And to really be present, he's touching her on her G-spot. Maybe he's doing a really, really good job, and then he, he, he loses connection. He's doing good, and then all of a sudden, he just starts doing it a lot, a lot harder, rather than staying present with her in the moment and letting her blossom as, as she's supposed to blossom. So, Do you think it's a partner thing or like there's a compatibility factor? Like, Do you think now that you could have better sex with your ex? I know I could have better sex with my ex. I love that question. I've had a lot of partners since 2012, a lot of partners. And I've had amazing sex with a lot of different kinds of women. There is a very small subset of those women, though, where it became magical. Does it make so you've sense? reached new heights. <laughs> yes. I mean, spiritual heights, mental heights, just an ability to be with her where everything made sense. I didn't have to think through it. I didn't have to be good in bed. I didn't have to be technologically great. I didn't have to be, you know, just to do the right things and be able to hold my ejaculation as long as I want or anything like that. I do think that there are people that are, that we connect with at a different level. Now, can any couple have great sex? Yes. For the most part. I mean, there's, there's physical issues, things that get in the way, you know, mechanical physical issues like maybe he can't achieve an erection or you know that that sort of stuff what about However, with women not to be able to get wet the, the well there's um, things you there's can do about that Smith and, yeah. yeah there's some issues you know where, but if like, you're both healthy if you're both healthy I, i'm thinking there's anybody any couple could have great sex two humans as long as one is willing to rest his consciousness and be that pole that strong masculine pole mm -hmm. and the other is willing to flow and to be beautiful and to be the feminine pole as long as they can do that they can have really really hot amazing sex I, what I've makes it really great and amazing for the guy though like you said guys go to my website and, and sign up I'll, I'll teach you how to, to last as long as you want the masculine loves observing the feminine and and actually the actual charge that I get and that all my masculine clients get, and that includes, you know, lesbian women and masculine um, gay men, what they love about sex when they settle down and get past the fact that, ooh, I'm getting laid, when they get past that excitement, when they learn to be one with that excitement, what they really, really love is holding that space for her as she experiences pleasure. Learning how to seduce a woman is learning how to speak the language of love that women speak. Women's sexual language is so much more refined. Some of it is conscious and some of it isn't. But a lot of that is if you think of women like water, their sexual energy like water, if you want water to spin like you got a big bucket of water and you want it to spin really, really fast, you want her to have an orgasm. Are you going to start in the middle and spin really, really fast? 
and really, really hard. You're going to get a little bit going in the middle, but the, all the outside of the water is hardly going to move. What you want to do is work from the outside, big circles, big strokes. You work with her hands first. You play with her hair. You know, you take 20 minutes to take her shirt off while you're kissing and adoring her and touching her down her arms and her feet and her legs. And you're constantly moving in on her body to the, to the center. Right, you're bringing all that wonderful energy she's got everywhere, and she, you're making her whole body feel alive before you even think about her nipples or her clitoris. And this can start hours or days before you have sex. It should start days before you have sex, if, if it's possible. What about, on the other hand, like, how do you turn a man on without him losing it? Without him losing it? <laughs> Million dollar question. In my experience, and now, now I'm, I'm teaching men how to hold, the, hold their ejaculation from the beginning. So the guys that I'm working with, there is, a, there is a process of going through and teaching men how to actually do that physically. It's not natural. We're designed to come fast. That's what nature wants us to do. You know, nature wants us to be get, get in, get out, make, and then make sure that we can defend ourselves against all the other people that want to want to screw or do, right? Like, turning him on is not an issue. Grab his cock. Fire starts with, you just put fire to it, right? But do all guys like that? The reality is, okay, so you're, you're kissing, you're all this kind of stuff. For most men, unless they're really scared of their sexuality, if you grab their penis, they're going to be hard right away. They're going to be ready to have intercourse really fast. The, the, the arousal part isn't necessarily that, that, that hard. The arousal for the sexual experience usually is for her. That's something we don't quite get. A lot of times you like she's dancing for him and looking beautiful and preening and, and all this kind of stuff is really for her. Even if she's getting a reaction out of him and he's enjoying the hell out of it and loving it, it's wonderful sexual, sexual play and wonderful interaction between them. It can be really, really powerful, but really what it's doing is helping her open up and to be seen beautiful and to really go. That's not how it's designed. It's designed to, okay, women need to spend a lot of time arousing a man. And yes, as men get older, sometimes it takes longer to get for them to get physically ready. I mean, that's blood pressure. That's testosterone levels. That's a lot of things that happen when we get older. But in general, that part of the foreplay is, is all about how come you didn't call those girls back from the bar? I was still pretty needy. <laughs> and I did call at that point in my life. I, I was still calling and they would not return my phone calls or they'd say, hey, yeah, we had a good time. But no, even was still getting, oh, you're a really nice guy. Was okay, so talk it. to me about when that switched. I had a partner, lover to death, yoga teacher, <laughs> very studied and in tune with tantric principles very in tune with eastern philosophy is, is in and practice around sex and energy and you know a kundalini yoga instructor she was very good at describing to me energy and moving energy around you want to move that energy away from your penis into your hands and into your feet and feel it all over your body rather than it staying in your cock if your cock gets too hot it's going to blow right she was so patient, so loving. She actually worked with me through a lot of the, you know, issues of erectile dysfunction as, as far as being patient with me and letting me feel my energy go where I wanted it to go. 
you know, put it down there when I wanted to and take it away when I didn't. I became so physically confident in my own body. I became that 17-year-old boy that could, that could just go as long as I wanted to go without coming. And then, you know, if she had three or four orgasms, then I'd go ahead and, and go when I wanted to. That must have been like a huge breakthrough. It was amazing. Oh, my God. You know, and I think through her, I l first learned what sex was about from my perspective. For one, it was everything that I always wanted to do and dreamed to do and what I heard women want men to do, not last for two and a half hours. I mean, that's kind of horrifying to some women, the way the sex is normally performed, but to be so calm and present and attentive and completely focused on her pleasure and enjoying every second of it. But I became that man who physically could do that as long as I wanted to do it. That I could choose whether or not to ejaculate or not. When I can choose whether to take her hard and bend her over the table because that's what she was really desired in the moment, to lift her up and pound her against the wall and just go hard, or be completely gentle, almost have a spiritual moment with her. When I could do all that, that's when it changed. Did that's she communicate all of that to you? She taught almost everything to me. Yeah. Wow. You know, I'd probably still be with her if she she wanted children, and I and I couldn't have children, and so we we kind of broke off and everything. But just mm. talk about one of those angels in your life that just changed everything completely. In that too, I learned a completely different level of connecting with women that I had no idea, and women came from being really really amazing to just almost being goddesses on earth to me. Wow, that must have really affected everybody after well, her too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't speak for all my partners, but when you can really adore somebody and not need anything from them back, I mean, there was no neediness left. I was there in bed to share my gift for her, and it was all about her being beautiful and blossoming and everything in front of me. I shared that aspect of me and really loved that aspect of me. I mean, I had partners crying on my chest for hours. I've never been seen that way. I've never felt that way. You were reading my mind. I adore every single woman I've been with, especially since that transformation I went through. They're all beautiful, all shapes and sizes, colors, creeds. I've never met an ugly woman since I've been this man. That's really and amazing. And this is the quality that I want to teach the men that I'm involved with. Yeah. And working with women for them to be able to open up to receive that kind of man is sometimes a challenge as well. How so? They hold on to a lot of, I have to make things work. I have to be responsible in the moment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. When a woman is really involved in the sexual act and really involved in lovemaking, she's going to want to bring all kinds of variety and everything because that's who she is. That's what femininity is. And so she might come up with some crazy-ass idea you know, right in the middle of, of sex. That's beautiful. And yes, that seems like directing, but it's more of a sharing of the experiences she's having in the moment. And if you stifle that in a woman, you know, you're, you're cutting her off. That is perceived, especially from our porn influence in our culture, that's perceived as her being directive and ballsy and all this kind of stuff. And so women have learned through porn, porn has, has not helped much, many of us, women have learned through porn, you know, that they got to put on, you know, the, the long garters and come in, come in as a dominatrix with a whip in order to make sex exciting. 
they've, they've kind of decided that they have to have a plan for everything going on rather than just opening up herself into this yearning for him to hold this space for her and then just let it happen. You know, I always thought sex was just supposed to be natural. And if you were just natural, you'd be really good at it. Funny thing about it is that I learned that was completely not true. And now that's what I teach. For the guys that aren't reading the books and getting into Tantra and trying to improve, like how much better can it be? (sighs) My one wish for men is that for once in their life, for once in their life, they could experience a welcoming vagina. The difference between penetrating a woman and her yearning and bringing you in. Oh, (laughs) the first time it happened, I cried. I'm serious. I mean, I was all in this masculine mode and holding presence for her. And she invited me in and I just wept. It was like she healed every ache and sadness and every wound in my body. And every time I was a little boy and somebody would kick me in the nuts and call me a faggot, it cured all of that to be invited into a woman like that. When a woman is physically, you know, wet and her, and she's wide open and her, and she's almost quaking for an, att- for an attentive touch and you enter her in that moment, that's like seeing God on earth. I mean, there is, it, everything makes sense in that moment, what sex is. And one of the first exercises I'll do with couples is I want you to make out like you're 16 years old and you're in the back of a car and you're afraid to death to get caught by the police or whatever. So you're not going to take your clothes off. You're not going to, you know, you, you may try to do a little bit under under the shirt a little bit or whatever. But it gets to the point where she just cannot take it anymore. I need you in me right now. Off come the clothes. It comes the penetration. You know, all that kind of stuff. And yes, this will be a, this will be a faster session. You're going to build up so much tension in him that he's he's not going to last long. But in that is could be really glorious too. Quickies are amazing. That's how we'll start off in this in this practice. Just remembering how hot it is to make out. That's how we start becoming master lovers for each other. It, it's a little intense. This is how it kind of it goes at the end. But what it what it does is it brings this amazing chemistry and this heat between these two people that they've never experienced before in the single digits of of humans actually ever experienced this kind of of intense passionate hot lovemaking the stuff that we see on movies and we think we're watching but actually experiencing it in in person um, you also said that you work with same-sex couples right right can you talk to me about the differences or commonalities there it depends on the couple. What is so wonderful and what I've learned, and I actually have a lot to learn, especially about people, you know, transgender, people who, who present in different ways and stuff. I'm excited to learn more there. What I've learned with same-sex couples, however, is you, you basically kind of have two different kind of dynamics. One is, like, for example, she'll be really butch, and, and the other one will be really femme, and they just stay there. Same way with men. Right. We'll have couples, though, where they will flow back and forth. They're, they're masculine one women, moment, and then the other one just relaxes into being beauty, if you will. They can switch back and forth. Heterosexual couples could do that, too. They could flow back and forth. And some of the clients that I've had for a couple of years, they have learned this aspect where she could come in with a, I want to fuck you. I want to open you up to God type 
attitude is he will relax he'll relax his hips he'll relax his heart he'll just he'll he'll focus on his heart and open up his heart and become beauty if you will and let her fuck the shit out of him it's just very very beautiful i think one thing i love about my work so much is that we really discover who people are what their energetic signature is and you talked about you know some partners earlier that i just hit it off with that were just better Usually, that is your reciprocal. Like, if I'm 80% masculine, 20% feminine energy in my core self, which has nothing to do how I show up in the world, has everything to do who I am sexually. Do you want to get remarried? Yes. That was actually part of 2021, is to be open once more to a lifelong partner. I've worked through all my fears. I've worked through, can I sustain a relationship? I'm back to being a very kind man, a very loving man, and I got a tiger inside of me that I can control that if I need to bring the hammer, I'm bringing it. I can bring an entire variety to her, which is what the feminine loves, is variety, right? I can bring an entire variety to a woman, not just sexually, but flirting in the kitchen while we're making dinner. I can bring a complete variety of stuff that I never could have brought before. Yes, if I was married to my ex-wife, it would have been much different. It would be much different. I would lead through that more than mm-hmm. than let her or force her. I kind of felt like I forced her to take care of everything. The part I still have a hard time with is the cheating the whole marriage. Right. Like, I did want to answer that question because just yeah. from my perspective, what happened for me was... I had that very, very strong religious feeling that, one, you don't get divorced, two, you work things out. I had a very codependent tendency to I was going to take care of her and fix her, right? Well, part of me fixing her was showing her how upset and depressed I got. It was manipulative. She would have an affair. It would become my fault if I was a better lover, if I was if I earned more money, if I, you know, all this kind of stuff. A little bit of gaslighting in there. What would happen is I became a smaller and smaller man. Through the entire marriage. And by the end, I knew she was having affairs and I didn't even care. I became such a small man by the end of the marriage that I looked in the mirror and I say this on my website. I I didn't even know who I was. What did she say about it? I mean, I'm sure you confronted her about it. I confronted her about the first one. I confronted passively aggressively. I would say passive-aggressive things just to try to release a little bit of the energy for me. But I so I mean, I, this was not conscious. I kind of felt like I lost 15 years of my life, honestly. Did you want to cheat? Um, I tried to once, and um, I couldn't get it up. I felt so guilty in the moment that I couldn't get it up. Um, I tried to. The tone was, was, what, was what got me, not the words. The tone was the, if you were a better husband, I wouldn't have had to find another man a lot of a lot of that first one that i found out was circumstantial she was traveling and and if i had been better at my job and got a better job then she wouldn't have had to travel i i've described the 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 relationship as abusive it does not help me to think of her as an abuser that's the distinction i think everybody who's gone through a relationship like that has to go has to to come to terms with for me letting her go like i did so much healthier and so much more in harmony with who I am as a human being. How is it for the kids? I have three of the most amazing kids ever. The The beginning, the first part of the divorce was hardest on my oldest. He was 15 at the time. Now he's 24 now. 
he went through a really angry time. Wonderful thing about him is that he was super athlete. He's one of the fastest kids in, in Colorado State history. He got a full ride, you know, track scholarship, all that kind of stuff. Super hyper intelligent and all this kind of stuff. So he had his stuff to focus on and to keep himself away from the family. My middle son, he is so hypersensitive, ADHD, and just he became the biggest lover for both my ex-wife and I. I mean, he just, he started getting a little bit of that caretaking that I was doing. And him and I have had really, really honest man-to-man discussions about that, too. My little girl, she's 16 now, she has such a hard time, but what a freaking hero. I mean, she just, she learned how to make sure she had everything right, exactly perfect in both houses and and all this kind of stuff. Now, as far as the relationship, I don't talk bad about my ex in front of him. As far as I know, she doesn't do the same. We kind of kind of took that on as this is how we're going to be the best parents we can be because our kids still love us. And, and like I said, I still love my ex. Would I ever want to be married to her? No. Could I make it work if I did? Yes. But I don't want to be married to her again. What about your parents? What was their relationship like? My parents were wonderfully codependent on each other. They have an incredible relationship. They've been married for you know, 55 years now. They have a lot of what you would kind of describe as that 1950s need-based relationship. He provides protection and strength, and he provides for her and protects her. He gives her identity and sex and attention, and it's just a very need-based. They're very codependent. They're always worried about what the other one's thinking about. They are best friends to the max. They would What's not their even masculine, to feminine mix? It's a little bit kind of what we talked about with the people who would be considered like asexual. It's kind of in the middle. Although my dad pretends to be very stoic. He still is in that that town that we grew up in, right? Or that I grew up in. He still plays that I'm stoic and nothing gets to me. If there is an emergency, he pops right into masculine energy and he will save the day. If there's an emotional issue, my mom will immediately come and comfort everybody how did they respond friends. to like you as a kid and you having those feelings of sexual shame or being a gay kid or, you know, being called that? I never shared it with them. What? So I had already started this I have to be perfect thing, right? I had such a need when I was a child to be perfect, especially for family. Now, as I'm a parent, my, my kids, my kids know, my kids understand Did you talk to your kids about it? Yeah, talk to me about that. I've been very, very open with with all my kids, and they they will have conversations with me about you know things things going well, things going not well in their relationships and in and in sex. They'll have these conversations with me now. I, I feel very honored that my kids will do that. I don't know how many parents can say that. To me, it's very honoring that they'll that they'll feel comfortable enough for me because I don't freak out. I just don't freak out about sex. Is there anything that you'd like to ask my dad? There are so many men that grew up the way I grew growing up, especially in our culture now, who have, they're trying to be the best man they can. They're being really sweet. They're changing all the diapers. They're doing all everything. And they're wonderful, caring, kind, loving men who you can see are just getting browbeat. Men never enter this work unless she said, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore or I want a divorce, or I'm sleeping with somebody else, or they never enter this work. How would he suggest just all the brothers out there, all the men out there, 
how would he share with men that it's okay? Hey, buddy, I've been there or whatever. It's okay to go get some help, man. It's okay to go see a counselor. It's okay to go see a coach. It's okay to start doing work on yourself before it's too late. My daddy will definitely have something to say about this episode. <laughs> awesome. I so I hope he enjoys it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thank you. Awesome. You're so easy to talk to. I appreciate it. Let yeah. people know how they can connect with you and where best to find you. I'm at lovepurposely.com. The best way to get a hold of me, I'm Love Purposely Instagram, Love Purposely uh, Facebook. And just to let them know, I have a Understanding Men course coming out. It, it'll be a five-week online Zoom course that I'm offering to women. And, you know, it's just some finer points from a man who speaks women translating what they're saying, what they're doing, why they do things the way they do, all that kind of stuff, kind of just demystifying women. I'm also going to be teaching in July as well a better sex course for men to where men can learn the foundation of becoming like the top 1% of lovers in the world. If they, I, I am offering those two courses. If they go to my website, they'll see those advertisements coming out here soon. You want to give yeah. him a better call daddy discount? I will tell you what, I'll give him 20% off. I'll come up with a coupon code and everything BCD, else. BCD, so. better call daddy. Yes, there we go. So if you enter the code, we'll make that a part of it, that uh, they'll get 20% off the course. So. Ooh, that's pretty good. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. Hello. Hello there, your father's mustache. Your father's mustache at 1 a.m. and I'm doing some brow beating right now. Holy cow. Isn't it ironic how we just talked the other night, how a lot of times we find our journey by things that happen to us. And your guest, uh, Jason, is doing the same thing, is that he married a powerful woman, a woman very independent, working hard, even the breadwinner of the relationship, and where he was in the very beginning, very meek, and where the a woman takes complete control of the man, where the woman is really the man, and the, the man becomes quite timid and gets dominated. And he then makes his life's work working with relationships of dominant females and males that succumb to the female. And what do you think of getting a coach in that arena? or getting therapy? Uh, that was one of his questions. And the fact is, is that there's a lot of men and a lot of women that do need some type of guidance in this category as well. And when we were younger, going to uh, X-rated movies, and it happens today, where a lot of people's desires and help are done on the internet or done with pornography or with see uh, in La La Land in the movies, thinking that that's the way you form a relationship and that's the way you form sexual experiences by uh, uh, reading uh, Playboys and reading whatever the magazine is and listening to stories and listening to uh, what is being projected rather than getting a real reality check of having that emotional connection and making sure that a man and a woman are able to have an emotional attachment as well as a physical a a attraction and attachment uh, that is very special between those two people. 
Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 